God, I pray for those here this morning or those watching that are lost. Lord, would you find them and show yourself to them. I pray for those that are going off in the wrong direction, Lord, that you would grab a hold of their hearts and minds this morning. And I pray, Lord, wherever we are, would you help us to uh, get ourselves tuned uh, to True North with you, Jesus. And so speak to us now through your word and by the power of your spirit. Uh, I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to start by asking a question this morning. Uh, what is worth fighting for? I, I imagine all of you could come up with something, I hope, uh, that is worth fighting for, and it might depend on your season of life. Uh, maybe right now your marriage is worth fighting for because uh, you or maybe both of you made a mistake, and anybody who's been married more than a minute uh, realizes that there are times you don't feel like being married, and so there are times you really have to uh, invest even more time and effort and energy into your marriage uh, for that purpose and for that reason. So maybe marriage is worth fighting for. Uh, kids uh, maybe are worth fighting for. If you're in an area and time of your life where you have kids, kids are worth fighting for. Because I, I want them to not go through the same things I had to go through. I don't want them to experience and make the same mistakes I did. So it's worth fighting for them and sharing part of my life and, and investing in their lives so they can not just be great kids, but those great kids be can become great adults. Or, or maybe it's injustice. Maybe that's what's worth fighting for in your life, where you look at some people that are downtrodden or picked on or marginalized in society, and, and that just riles you up. And like, no, that is worth fighting for. Maybe freedom is worth fighting for. And we have a lot of people here who have served our military faithfully and have laid their life down on the line uh, so that we might enjoy the freedom that we have in this country. And maybe it is. Maybe that is what is worth fighting for. I think if you're going to know what's worth fighting for, you also have to know what's not worth fighting for. For, and that's just not worth it at the end of the day. I've got a new, for those of you who are really observant, I got a new uh, Bible here that was given to me on my birthday a little over a month ago uh, by my daughter. It's the large print edition. <laughs> <laughs> my wife's so beautifully, like, I, I can see you're struggling to read the tiny print in your small little Bible. And I'm like, yeah, I should. I go to the optometrist, and I, I still haven't gotten glasses because there's something about it. I don't know. I just don't want to do that. So she thought this would be a lot easier. And I love the fact that, um, you know, she had gotten this, but um, Bella gave it to me, to Dad, from Bella. Um, I love that. So this is my new Bible that I have. It's just not worth fighting uh, over at the end of the day. Like, I can either get glasses or I can get a larger Bible. I've got a larger Bible. That's what I've got. Um, so I can actually read what I want to give to you today. But I also realized growing up as a kid, my first like real job that I had was working for Little Caesars Pizza. And at 16 years old, they saw something in me that I'm not sure what they saw, but they wanted to make me an assistant manager. That's me on the left. There's nothing in that picture that screams, this guy's responsible um, at all. With that, my friend Mike and Dennis, um, who are there as well. So they gave me a white shirt, they gave me a key to the store, and they gave me the safe combination at 16 years old. And then I had to go through the little management training they have. So they give you a little workbook, and they sort of walk through the workbook with you. And in that workbook, uh, there was something about if the store gets robbed. And that will get your attention as a 16-year-old 
kid. And so in that handbook was if somebody comes in and they want the money, don't fight them. Just give them what they want. And I'm thinking, you had to write that in a manual? Like, is, is that ever a possibility? Like, I, I love pizza, and I love, you know, Little Caesars is a great store to work for, but I'm not laying down my, it's not worth fighting for. In fact, I'm thinking as they're going on about 15 minutes on this, just give them what they want. I'm like, I'll give, make them a pizza if they want. I don't really care. Like, it's not my life. I'm not putting on the line. So I realized what I didn't want to fight for at that part of my life, but it made me ask the question, even as a kid, what really is worth fighting for? And I came to the conclusion, I, I think faith is one of those things, it's, for me, is worth fighting for. It's what I do what I do. I think it is worth fighting for. And the text that was read just a moment ago, I apologize for the long reading. I'm, gonna, I'm sure I'm going to hear about it from my wife and probably a few others. Like, that was a long reading. Well, it's a great couple of chapters. I had a hard time getting it down to what I did at that point. I encourage you to read the whole thing because it, it is just a really cool battle that's going on. And I always wondered why it made it into the scriptures because it seemed like a little squirmish was going on between Peter and between Paul. And these are like two spiritual heavyweights in the Bible. You got Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus, whom Jesus said, you are Peter and I'm going to build my church upon this confession of faith that you just made, Peter. And then on the other side, you've got Paul who went out to evangelize all of the Gentiles in that region. And frankly, one of the reasons most of us are here is because of Paul and the work that he did in the New Testament. And, and so you've got them going toe-to-toe. -to -toe. And, and I love this part of the story. And I always wondered, why did Paul include this story about Peter? And, and quickly what happened, if you didn't catch it from the reading, was Peter was hanging out with Paul and with the other Gentiles who had come to know Jesus. And then all of a sudden, uh, James and some of the other what called Judaizers, some of these old Jewish Christians came. And as soon as they came, Peter's like, oh, yeah, I can't hang out with you guys anymore. I'm going to be over here with my people hanging out because I can't do uh, this with you over here. I'm going to hang out with these people over here. And Paul calls them on it. And he spends a couple of chapters dealing with this because it's worth fighting for. Because here he was, you can't hang out with him here and then not hang out with him over here. Like, wh which one is it? <laughs> you know, do you have to follow all the rules or is it just truly by grace? It's worth fighting for. And, and here's why this is important. Like, who cares about a battle that happened a couple thousand years ago between a couple people in the Bible? Well, here's why it matters. Because the way that we follow Jesus is either going to lead people toward Jesus or it's going to lead people away from Jesus. The way we live out our life is either going to lead people toward Jesus or away from Jesus. And I'm sure you probably know some people in your life, maybe in your own family or friends that you have that have wandered away from the faith and they've wandered away from the church. I've got those people too. And I've had an opportunity to talk to them and usually I get one or two kind of responses that in a general category, here's typically what I hear. One is, I'm good enough. And I always wondered when I hear that phrase, like, I'm good enough. I'm going to get into heaven. It doesn't really matter the way I live my life or what I do or what I say I believe or who I believe in. I, I, I'm a good person. And you've probably sat at funerals before and you've heard that before. Somebody else gets up and gives a speech and they were a really good person. And I always wonder what they mean by that. But what does that mean? They were a good person. They were better than 50%. 
better than average, you know, on that. They did a couple of good things near the end of their life to offset some things that they did earlier in their life. And, and I've always wondered about that because I hope nobody says that at my funeral because it wouldn't be true. Like, I'm not a good person because <laughs> I've been around me. I've seen the mistakes I've made. And, and to call me good is, is really just a misnomer and it's inaccurate. And so a lot of people live their lives that way, thinking, oh, I'm good enough, and it doesn't really matter. Conversely, there's also a, a group of people and a camp of people that have left the church because I could never be good enough. I, I look at church people, and I don't really belong there. They got their lives together. Everybody seems happy. That's not me. My world has fallen apart. My life is a train wreck. I got so much baggage. I got my own bellhops that come with me everywhere I go. My life is a disaster. I don't fit in. And what a shame. And I have often asked them, I've said, where did you get the impression that we've got our act together? <laughs> that we got everything all together, that our lives have been perfect from day one? Because that is certainly not the case in my life. And usually at that point, I'll unpack some things that I've dealt with in, in my life before that I'm ashamed to bring out in public. But I'm like, this is what God does. Our God is in the redemption business. You see, the way we live out our life makes a difference. And if people, what they see is, you're good enough already. Doesn't really matter. Well, that's not helping people. That's turning the arrow of true north and turning it sideways. That's not leading them in a direction that's helpful. Conversely, the same thing can be said for, for those that you're never going to be good enough. Man, that's not true north. That's not the direction that God would have us go. And it's worth fighting for because both of those directions don't lead people to a living relationship with Jesus. And so we need to get it right, and we need to take the time to get it right. And so that's what we want to do here this morning. So I want to unpack for you, uh, and this will be a review, hopefully, for some of you, but I think it's important for us to do, especially if we want to be true north, because we don't want to send people off in the wrong direction. We don't want to be the one responsible for doing stuff. This is why Paul took a couple of chapters to talk about this interaction with Peter, because it had permeated the church, and a lot of people were not following true north anymore. And it wasn't all about grace anymore. So let me tell you how God saves us. God saves us when he sends his spirit into your heart and into my heart. And we don't know. We can't pinpoint that exact moment when God did that. Because God does that. And then over a period of time, it starts welling up inside of us and we change. And at some point, we're like, I, I, I think I want to follow Jesus. And God is like, amen, I've been working in you for X amount of time to bring you to that point where you could sing praises to God and enjoy a relationship with him. And the only reason we do that is by the grace of God. And the moment that God places his spirit into our hearts, man, we are forgiven, we are justified, it is enough. We get eternal life at that moment. And that's a beautiful message of the gospel. And this is what Jesus said to the thief on the cross. If you remember, there were two thieves on the right and on the left of Jesus, and one was hurling insults at Jesus. He said, man, why don't you get down and save yourself and save us? And then the other thief on the cross says, what are you saying? We're getting what we deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong, and he turns to Jesus, would you remember me when you go into your kingdom? And Jesus looks at him and he says, today you will be with me in paradise. I love that because that is such a beautiful picture of what God does. But I, I don't have time to go to church. I don't have time to go get baptized. I don't have time to clean up my life. I don't have time to prove to you that I want to follow you, Jesus. Today you're going to be with me in paradise. Done. End of the story. 
That's what we call justification. You have been justified. You have been made right with God, not based on what you've done, but because the Holy Spirit dwells in your heart, that is done with. But God is not done with you. Because from that point on, we uh, enter into this process called sanctification. So we are made right with God when God's Spirit enters our heart. But now we're made to live right the more we follow Jesus. And the thing is, we got to get that order right. Because too many people flip-flop those things. Well, clean up your life first, and then God will come to you. No, 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 no. God comes to you. And then, uh, by the power of his spirit, we are transformed to become more like Jesus. So that the longer we live like, the longer we live with Jesus, the more we should look like Jesus. I don't look a lot like Jesus yet. I hope to. I hope another 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 30, if I live that long, I hope that I look more and more like Jesus with every single passing day. And we mess this up a lot. And the reason we mess this up a lot is because we want to earn it. And frankly, that's natural, because we, we want to earn things. That's what we want to do. We want to earn what we receive. And so faith is, is the same thing. We want to earn that faith. And this is what gets us into trouble. This is where we get off true north. We're like, oh, Jesus, thank you for the cross. That was good. But I want to set that aside for a minute, and, and I want to talk about how we should be living our lives, like somehow that is making us right with God. And it's natural for us to want to do this. We do this all of the time. This is where we want to take a look at our scripture, if we could, for a moment. Look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. I'm doing the large print edition. Um, you can see it projected up here on your worship folder if you have. Um, look at verse 3. Are you so foolish? Man, those are harsh words. Those are like fighting words. Are you so stupid? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit that God placed his spirit in you and brought you to faith, are you new, now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Are you trying to do it on your own? Do you not realize that's not true north anymore? Man, you're not following Jesus anymore if you're trying to do it on your own. This is what every other religion in the world tells you you need to do. Do it on your own. Work your way toward God. Make it right with God. Work harder. Do more. Show up at church more. Pray more. Give more. Serve more. God says, no, true north is true north. This is all you do. It's all about Jesus. And what we do is we say, no, God, I know that was great. Thank you for the cross, but I know better. I, I know a better way to bring people to faith because I'll, I'll encourage them to change their life, to do something. Because by doing something um, that will curtail then some of their, their sinful behavior and some of their waywardness, this is a better way to bring people to Jesus. You're making it too easy to bring people to Jesus. And I imagine all of God just screaming out like, really? I'm making it too easy? How easy was it for you, for me to come into your heart? And I did all the work to bring you to faith. And now you're making other people do work to bring to faith? That's not the way it goes. But this is what the Judaizers, that's what they were called, were doing. This is the group that Peter was hanging out with. And the Judaizers were interesting people. They were Jewish Christians who believed, but they believed that you had to take these Old Testament practices and bring them to your faith. If you're going to follow Jesus, you have to follow all these Old Testament laws and customs, including practices like circumcision. And so they had all these requirements on them, and they were questioning Paul, like, I'm not even sure you're an apostle, because you're trying to make it way too easy by taking off all the legal requirements, that there's nothing required of anybody to follow Jesus. 
And Paul's saying, there was nothing required of me. God came and struck me down on a road to Damascus. I didn't ask for that. I wasn't seeking that. God sought after me. Uh, I didn't find God. God found me. And that's the way it is for every single one of us. And so we need to get that straight. And this was a battle early in the church. And I think it's still a battle today because a lot of us live our lives like we're good enough. And I can't think of any way to make it clear. I use this in the step one class. This is one of my favorite verses. If you haven't memorized a single verse of the Bible, let me encourage you to memorize these two. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it is by grace that you have been saved. It's not because of your works. You haven't been saved by your works. You've been saved by grace through faith. Not through doing things, not through sewing up at church, not through praying more, reading your Bible more. You're saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. Not from yourselves. Well, where did it come from? It's not from me then. It's a gift of God. That the Almighty God loved you so much that he gave you this gift of faith. And it's not by works. Wait, wait, didn't I work that way? Didn't I clean up my life and come to you and then ask you into my heart? No, it's not by your works. So that no one can boast. No one. Well, I can boast, right? No, you can't boast. No one can boast. And often I'll stop in my step one class and say, can you add anything to that to make that any clearer? <laughs> Could you add a word to that to make that even more bold and understandable for people? That it's not by our own efforts that we are saved? This is one of those true north kind of verses. And I want to challenge you, if you haven't memorized that, put that one into your memory bank and let that be your true north compass. So that when stuff starts creeping in and like, oh, yeah, I've earned my way to God. I'm better than most people. You'll come back to, no, 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 no. It's by grace that I've been saved through faith. And this is a gift of God, not by works, so that I can't boast about it. Because this is the way we need to live out our lives. Because frankly, if we could work our way to God, the cross is meaningless. If we could work our way the cross didn't have to happen. And this is exactly what Jesus prayed in the garden when he's down on his knees and he's sweating blood. God, if there is another way for me to redeem the world, if there's another plan that we can execute to bring people into a relationship with you, God, if there's a way to redeem the world, uh, I would love for this cup to pass from me, but not my will, your will be done. And he prays that over and over and over again and God comes back, no, this is the only way. And she's, okay. And Jesus lays down his life and he dies on a cross because it is the only way. And so we got to get grace right. We have to get this right. Take a look at verse 21 of chapter 2. I do not set aside the grace of God, Paul says. I can't just set it aside and say, well, that was nice. Thank you. I'm going to pick it up on my own now. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. If we could work our way to God, there was no purpose for the cross. And frankly, I'm so glad that God has a better plan. I'm so thankful that God's plan was not work your way to God. Because you know what? A couple questions you're not going to have to answer if you're a follower of Jesus at the end of your life. You're never going to have to ask yourself, did I do enough? Or was I good enough? I tell you, that's freeing. And I tell you, I hate having been around at the bedside of people, lifelong followers of Jesus, who at their bedside will ask me, Pastor, did I do enough? 
to get to heaven. And how have you missed this all along? Jesus was enough for you. You didn't have to do anything. The fact that faith is in your heart and the evidence of that, that's enough. Jesus is enough for you. It's not about what you did. It's about what Jesus did for you. So for those of you, um, you know, Phil Boriak, who's now in heaven, playing bass up there, I'm sure, dancing around and jumping for joy um, up in heaven. Seeing him just a few days before he died up in the hospital, and, and he knew. He said, I, I very well, this might be the end of my life, but I'm so ready to go see Jesus. I am so glad that as he was bouncing up here, he wasn't bouncing because he just loves the music. He bounces up here because he loves Jesus. And that just exuded from every fiber. And, he, and I, I love being around people who are confident when they're facing uh, their last breath. That they are confident that, man, I know where I'm going to be, and I know where I'm going, and I know it's not based on my worthiness or effort. And frankly, I want that same thing for you. I don't want any of you to be facing your last breath wondering if you've done enough, if you've been good enough to get into heaven. And we've got to get grace right. Let me give you one last verse, verse 16. Know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. No one. No one. So why on earth would we take the arrow and, and move that off kilter a little bit and say, well, yeah, grace was good, the cross was good, but no, you don't add but to grace. <laughs> you can't do anything, because anytime you add anything to grace, it's no longer grace. You, you can't do that. Anything you add to grace makes it, by definition, no longer grace anymore. So what we need to do is, is turn the arrow back to true north. No, it's by grace, that is it. Not by grace, but they should. They should attend church, they should pray. No more shoulds. There's nothing we add to grace. It's by grace that we've been saved through faith. Now we don't have to do anything. But man, we get to do everything. So let me just ask you this question in closing. What would you say? What would you say when somebody says, I'm good enough? Or when somebody says, I'm not good enough? How do you respond to that? I hope we learn to respond <laughs> in a very truthful, honest way by simply saying, I'm saved by grace <laughs> through faith in Jesus. I'm not saved because I'm a good person. I, I can give you testimony after testimony of how I haven't been a good person. In fact, I'm a great living testimony of the fact that God can redeem anything. <laughs> God can redeem even me. I'm saved by grace through faith in Jesus. That's why I am here. I don't have to be good enough because Jesus was good enough. Say, this is what's worth fighting for, that we get this so clear because I don't want anybody to wonder and go through life wondering if I've been good enough because the true north, Jesus says, this is, this is it. It's not about you being good enough. I've already been good enough. It's by grace through faith in Jesus that I've been saved. So last thing I want to ask you, how will you show that this week? 
How, how are you going to live that out this week? How will you live out this phrase in your life? I'm saved by grace through faith in Jesus. How will you do that this week? Maybe some of you have been living uh, far too long on a performance plan, like I've been working my way to God. Uh, maybe today is the day you've been set free from that. And today is the day that maybe for the first time, uh, that spirit of God that's been welling up inside of you for far too long, maybe today is the day to let it out and confess, this is what I believe. And I'm getting off the performance plan that I've got to perform for God and try to be good enough. And I'm going to get on the grace plan and just embrace Jesus and the gift of God, the grace of God and the mercy of him.